You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents A Community Affair, a weekly program where we discuss with national and local newsmakers important issues that impact our community. And now, here's your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Sam Whalen. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Community Affair. My name is Sam Whalen, Public Affairs Director here at WGLS. On today's show, we're going to be discussing journalism at the local and national level. The first half of the show will be an interview between WGLS station manager Derek Jones and the host of MSNBC's The Cross Connection, Tiffany Cross. The second half will be a sit-down with professor of journalism at Rowan University, Candace Kelly. So let's get right into it. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. I'm Derek Jones, and I'm joined by a very special guest right now, Tiffany Cross of MSNBC. Welcome to Rowan University, and welcome to the interview. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. The weather did not cooperate with us, <laughs> but we made it. So uh, it's very nice to be at this one. This is my first time at Rowan University, and it's a beautiful campus. Even covered in rain and snow, it's beautiful. Well, it was great to have you here today. You're the keynote speaker of the 36th annual Martin Luther King Jr. Scholarship Breakfast. And talk to me first about your role here today and being able to, although virtually, being able to communicate with students and many of the administrators here at Rowan University. It was really exciting. You know, I think, um, especially for younger people, it's baffling to me that college students were born in the 2000s. Um, But yeah, it's really exciting to be able to paint, I think, and I hope a more clear picture of who Dr. Martin Luther King was and some of his views. You know, it's interesting because the more time passes, the more history there is to learn, and there's so much happening at all times. And so I wonder how often students are reading uh, beyond hashtags and beyond newspaper headlines, but actually reading books that chronicle in detail some of the struggle um, that has always happened in this country. And, um, you know, I think if you don't do that, then you end up left with this caricature of Dr. King that mostly white America painted. Um, And I just wanted to make it clear that this man was a radical who made white folks uncomfortable um, in the effort of pushing for the greater good and equality for black people and all people. Um, So that's, that was really thrilling to do. And I hope that the students got something out of it. Well, I think it's, it's really cool because you talked a lot about young people and their impact on things. And certainly we're going to get into that in a moment, but I wanted to ask what impacted you as a young person growing up going through college and to become a journalist, how were you impacted? So reading, definitely. I encourage everybody to read. Um, Books are awesome. And I think you can learn so much through all matter of books. Um, Also, you know, there was not a lot of people who looked like me when I was younger. Um, Definitely more than, you know, the 60s and 70s. But I grew up in the 80s. And so we had Oprah. 
you know, <laughs> um, to look at. I grew up in Atlanta, so there was a local anchor, Monica Kaufman, who people looked at. Um, but the person I would say that really inspired me to be a journalist is Murphy Brown. And uh, I always date myself because I say that to my team and they're like, who's Murphy Brown? <laughs> um, that's how old I am. But Murphy Brown was a character on a CBS show um, who actually penetrated real life politics because the pr- vice president at the time, Dan Quill, criticized her for being a single woman pregnant on TV, raising a child by herself. But she was this funky, funky white woman portrayed by Candace Bergen who loves soul music and was like civil rights activist and, you know, recovering alcoholic who came to D.C. to do journalism. And I remember looking at her thinking, I want to do that. And I was, you know, I didn't really know what D.C. was really at the time, but I knew at some point I was going to live in D.C. So that was always my goal. And, uh, you know, through the different courses I took in journalism, I was constantly made to feel unwelcome and constantly made to feel like there's no room for people like you here. And so I just defiantly kept with it. Um, And I still, you know, I'm at base camp one, you know, I have a long way to go in in my journalism career. Um, So yeah, that I would say that's the person who inspired me a character. How sad is that (laughs) a character? But of course, Oprah, like all of us black women in, in television, for sure. You're the host of The Cross Connection on MSNBC, Saturdays, 10 a.m. That's right. Thank you for that free plug, that free commercial. Did you see yourself doing something like that when you first entered Clark University in Atlanta? So, no. So, when I was younger, um, I definitely wanted to be on air. And then, as I worked a little bit in my field, which I had the opportunity to do in high school, um, I did the urban journalism workshop with NABJ. Um, I got to, you know, shadow different people. And I just thought, you know, there's more longevity in this career if you're not in front of the camera. Um, so, I thought if I worked behind the scenes as a producer, executive producer, bureau chief, and then eventually an executive, that... Um, I would have just a better chance at survival and I was pure hearted then so I thought I don't want to be worried about like lashes and makeup and hair you know I want to get to the meat of of journalism Um, and then cut to me 21 years later where I'm like can I just see my vanity shot one more time can we get makeup out here please I'm looking a little shiny can we get hair here because this hair is looking so I mean I definitely changed but the mission of what I wanted to do never changed and I wanted to speak specifically and unapologetically to the rising majority of the country um, and talk about things because I'd never felt when I watch news, I always felt like they were having conversations that had very little to do with me. They weren't talking to me and they weren't talking about me. And when they were talking about people who look like me, it was frequently in a negative capacity. And so um, just having a sense of agency at a very young age, I always knew I wanted to do this in a different way. I didn't know if I was going to be on camera or behind the scenes, but I knew I wanted to take a, uh, a shot at shaping our own narrative in this country because it had been so um, misrepresented for uh, decades. Ever since this TV medium came into our homes, um, someone else has always been a narrator, and I knew how how vitally important it was for us to tell our own stories. You talked a lot about the news cycle and and social media and, and all of that. And I wonder from the side of students, especially on college campuses, when we get to election cycles, we see that great fervor that hits leading right up to the election. And depending on what side yeah. things came out right after the election. But then things kind of stagnate a little bit. How do students stay activated mentally during these cycles where there isn't really an election? Because you talked about a little bit during your speech, 
there's a lot that goes on that kind of determines what happens in these elections. Yeah, and I, I have to push back on that a little because there's never not an election. You know, right. there's That's always yes. elections happening. Now, there may not be a federal presidential election, but there is always an election. Uh, right here in New Jersey, there is a state legislature. There are state representatives who are running. There are school board elections. There's judges are elected. Um, and, of course, there's members of Congress. They run every two years. Um, so we're in a year of midterms. Um, there's fundraising that goes into it, field work, um, communications work. So there are many parts. Um, so I don't even like that term that you hear in media a lot where people say it's an off year. Mm-hmm. There's never an off year. Every year somebody is, uh, you know, on the campaign trail stomping, um, trying to get elected. And so I think if students, um, you know, if you're constantly chasing the shiny object, then um, you're not doing enough work. You know, you know, it's... I think sometimes students are a bit insulated and protected and, you know, our parents struggled so much and I think some of my peers struggled so much that they insulate their kids from the harsh realities of the world. And it's like, no, get out here and see what's happening. You know, look at what's happening going down in these streets and get the freak off Twitter and get out here and help do some actual work because your 240 characters with your hashtag is not really moving the needle. And so outside of politics, they can work on any campaign. Like I said, there's always one happening. They can do GLTV work, uh, help people get out the vote. Um, But they can also just, uh, there are ballot initiatives that are happening, but they can also just be a community organizer. Look at what's happening around you um, and figure out what role can I play in this? If it's health disparities, if it's housing issues, if you see, you know, the local projects, you know, don't have a fresh coat of paint, like how can, what's my role here? Like who's the super, who's the person responsible for this? Who's the, um, what ward is this? What district is this? So, um, you know, I, I do, I don't want to just crap on young people, but I do find this lazy tweeting, TikToking to just say what you're outraged about exhausting. You know, nobody cares about, you know, this 20 year old is pissed off about something. Okay, great. Then what are you doing about it? You know, what are you doing other than binge watching and tweeting and posting and taking selfies? Get in the fight. You know, um, like I said, Dr. King was 26 years old when he led the Montgomery bus boycott. And there are young people all across this country doing the work. Um, So get in it for the right reasons um, and and pick up your weapon and, and, you know, join us because we're out here fighting and we need the young people to be a part of this fight. When you look at social media, you talked about media consumption and where people go to get their news. How difficult is it for you as a journalist to kind of fight in a way against your medium and also in what you're seeing on social media where people are saying, oh, I saw this on Facebook or I saw this on Twitter. How tough is it for you as a journalist right now? Well, you know, I I think there are a lot of opportunities. Um, On my show, um, we are able to talk about a lot of things that younger people are talking about. We you know, I, I always say I understand you because I am you. We reflect the conversations that people are having at brunch, at the barbershop, at the beauty salon, on their couches, around the kitchen table. Um, and we don't code switch on my show. We don't, you know, talk about the same eight stories you've seen all week. 
Um, and we, like I said, centered a rising majority. And so uh, I have looked at it as an opportunity to disrupt uh, the cable news space. And it's okay if you're um, getting some of your news on Twitter. I will hope that people are reading actual papers because that's where a lot of the news is reported. Um, when people want to work for me and they say, oh, I well, I watch MSNBC and, you know, I watch CNN and that's where I get my news. It's like, well, you're not really serious. You're not a journalist because <laughs> real journalists are out there reading eight papers before the sun comes up. And then these other things things that we do are more supplemental to what print journalists are doing. Um, And so I think, you know, one, we have to be um, unfiltered in our conversation and how we present the news uh, and things to people. And there are a lot of outlets that are are, uh, focused on that as well. And two, be inclusive. You know, if we're doing a story about, let's say, young people in social media, but we don't have a young person on the panel, then that doesn't make any sense. And we also want to inform as much as we entertain, you know, because that's really what TV is. People have to be entertained by it. But if you're not informing people, if you're giving them all the chocolate cake and all the creme brulee and all the mac and cheese, but none of the greens, none of the broccoli, none of the Brussels sprouts, um, then that's not a very good news diet. So we try to do all those things on my show, which airs Saturdays at 10 a.m. <laughs> on MSNBC, and I hope people will tune in. I mean, we do a little bit of the, you know, what this member did on the Hill and what this person said. Um, but we also, we just did a segment on like hookup culture and like young people not wanting to get married or have kids. Um, I had DMC on for like the old school hip hop heads. Um, you know, we have hip hop artists on my show. Um, and we have young members of Congress to talk about, you know, how people can get involved. We have young activists on, um, and we have the elders on, you know, we have older people talking about what they went through and we'll have them in conversation with a younger person. So all those things matter. Where do you see media, TV, social media, what have you in 10 years from now? Ooh, I, <laughs> I, let me break out my crystal ball. I think if we had the answer to that, I would be getting paid a lot more money. Um, look, I think younger audiences like to watch what they want to watch on tap. Um, they want their content at their fingertips. And so you see that in the streaming wars happening. Everyone has a streaming platform. And we have to be honest, not everybody's going to win at the streaming game. Even now, just on an entertainment perspective, everything's begging for your attention. Um, And sometimes it's choosing what to watch and where to get your information from. is so overwhelming that you can't keep up. Um, So I think 10 years from now, the streaming, we will see, like there will be people who float to the top of the streaming platforms and some We'll have to figure out different ways to be innovative. Uh, NBC has Peacock. And so eventually you'll be able to see some of my content uh, on Peacock as well. Um, But I I honestly, I just don't think that linear television, like cable news outlets, I think 10 years from now, they will likely still be around. Um, I think, you know, it is a time of changing media for sure, but... I don't think that streaming is going to completely take over within a decade. And I feel like I'm sounding like a 70 year old person who doesn't have any idea what's coming to hit them. Um, But I do think that there are, because streaming is, you know, on some levels very privileged and, you know, speaks to the economically able who can subscribe to all of these services. But when you think about, you know, the backwoods of Alabama and inner city Chicago and some parts of Compton, not everybody has Netflix and Amazon prime and Peacock and, you know, HBO max, like some of those people do rely um, on an actual television service. And so um, it's, it's a struggle and there's a lot of work to do to keep people engaged. Um, But I think, you know, for those of us at MSNBC anyway, I think that we will still be in existence for sure. Last question for you. 
for the students as a young person, what do you think they should be doing um, right now in terms of internships and maybe trying to get that, that foothold into that journalism career that they might be looking for? Oh, I love that question. Um, and I'm going to talk for more time than we have probably, <laughs> but this is so important because there are so few people who leave the classroom ready to walk into a newsroom. And so if you want to work in journalism and you come see me and I ask, well, what papers are you reading every day? And you can't answer that question. Then I don't really take you seriously. You've wasted opportunity and a time. So find those papers, read the New York times, read the Washington post, read your local papers um, and get those bylines, you know? And when I say, well, who are some of your favorite writers or like who's a journalist that you really respect? And if everybody you tell me is somebody who tweeted something or somebody on television, that is not a serious journalism story. You can't want to work in journalism and you don't consume news. You need to be able to tell me what's happening on Capitol Hill today. You need to be able to tell me what's happening outside of America today. Any interview you go into, they're likely going to ask you, well, if you were putting together a rundown today, what are your top three stories? If you're not prepared to answer that question, then you have not taken this uh, industry seriously. Um, And also... Uh, the art to journalism and the art to storytelling, it's not all just television. You know, if you are not a good writer, if you don't practice writing, um, then I question, like, then what is it about journalism that you like? What do you want to do? Um, and to be a good writer, you must be an avid reader. So if you're not reading not just papers, but books and have some understanding of history. Um, and there are so many people, like I talked about on the panel, who will come and talk to me. And it's in the first five minutes, I can tell, well, you don't really want to do journalism. You just want to be on TV. And I'm not in the business of just putting on people on TV who just want to be on television. And understand what it means. And you know this. You will work in 50 different markets. You might start out in Bayou LaBattery, Alabama, before you make it to New York City, if you ever make it to New York City. So be dedicated to this craft and storytelling um, and be committed to getting information to people and bearing witness and documenting what's happening. Because as a journalist, you're on the front lines of history. Be more committed to that than building a brand. Don't try to build a brand, build community, build movements, you know, um, and I, I hope that the young people who are pursuing journalism at least have that much of an understanding um, and understanding something outside of yourself. You know, if, 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 if all of everything is centered around what you're going through, if you can't tell me what's happening in Kazakhstan or if you could, if I say, well, what do you think? Um, how would you cover what's happening um, in Ukraine right now? Um, you know, how would you, uh, cover the latest, uh, incidents that happened in the Middle East? You know, um, wh- what do you think about the Olympics being broadcast in China, considering what's happening there? If all of these things are flying over your head, then you're not consuming news. And I just get out the business and make space for people who are really committed to telling those stories. Tiffany Cross, it's been a pleasure to have you here today on the campus of Rowan University. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me, and good luck. This has been such an amazing trip, and I'm excited to meeting more students from Rowan University when they come in my office and say, hey, I heard your talk, (laughs) and I want to work in journalism, and here's my resume. I'm waiting to hear from those folks. Thank you so much. This is Derek Jones on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. And we're back with a community affair. Today we're talking about journalism, and my guest is Professor Candace Kelly. How are you doing today, Professor? 
I'm doing well. Thank you. So good to be here in person. Yes. Yes. This is a, we should, we should uh, acknowledge that the first in-person community fair in months. Wow. Yeah. It's something else. And it's just good to see you and good to be here. Yeah. Typically we do these over zoom, but I'm sure you, the listener can now hear the difference in quality, uh, in terms of the audio, but yeah, let's get right into it. Uh, so when you were growing up, who was someone that inspired you to become a journalist, whether that be a real life journalist or someone on uh, TV? Well, you know, I, I used to hear a lot um, from my parents as they talked about doing what they needed to do in the civil rights era. And, you know, they would pull out information that concerned my parents, my father in particular, who would do a lot, a lot by way of civil rights, whether it was demonstrating or or protesting or things of that nature. They both went to the University of Arkansas at Pine Bluff. And so seeing those newspapers and just hearing about, um, you know, there's another journalist in my family, too. My grandmother, she would run a local column. It was the colored section, if you will, in the local newspaper. And she would write about different things going on. And so and my parents were both teachers. So it was kind of in my blood, I guess, to just, you know, teach and tell stories and be a part of 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 the fabric of making sure that important stories are shared and, and told. And as I'm sure like many people who are out there, I come from a family of just storytellers and not just at, you know, Thanksgiving dinner, um, but just all the time because the stories are so important and stories generally are just so important because we learn so much from the past. And I certainly did. And that's why I'm here today. Yeah. Do you feel there's a sense of legacy to that? You know, you talk about your, your grandmother, your parents, you feel you're sort of carrying that torch forward. Yeah, I do. I definitely am. And I know, I know how words move people and I know how stories move people. Um, in fact, that's really what journalism is. It's really a collection of stories. And at the end of the day, it's a, it serves as a really important history and you really are a gatekeeper when you're a journalist and you decide to tell someone's story and you say this story is important and let me make sure it gets in front of the masses because it does ultimately move people. Absolutely. So at the top of the show, we mentioned that you were a professor of journalism here at Rhone University. So how has you how have you seen uh, local journalism change to deal with the COVID-19 pandemic? You know, you know, since the pandemic began, there have been about close to 100 papers that have closed. Now, before that, from 2004 up until the uh, pandemic, there were about 1,800 or so papers that have closed. So certainly the numbers weren't as big, but that could be argued that's because a lot of people or papers that were on their last leg, well, they went and closed before that. Before COVID and now, there have been so many journalism deserts where there's just nothing covered. And I think it's a really good idea to encourage students to go into those deserts, to go into places that they may not have necessarily thought uh, of, of, of being, whether it's out in the Midwest or somewhere in the deep South, those are places that not only need uh, people to be there to work and tell stories, but without them, these industries collapse. So with all of that in mind, um, those are some of the things that have kind of come across the table. I've really been able to reevaluate in terms of how I want to direct not only myself, but the students too. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, this pandemic is life changing, without a doubt. I mean, we uh, we've seen it affect every aspect of our lives, and it's it makes sense that it would affect uh, the teaching style as well. Um, so, one of the biggest challenges uh, with today's youth is apathy, right? Whether that be political apathy, uh, not reading the news cycle apathy, and there are understandable reasons for that because it's it can be depressing, it can be a lot. But what are some ways you encourage your students to kind of shake off that apathy and to engage actively with their news? Well, one of the things that I strongly encourage students to do, and this might be kind of against the grain, but social media is amazing, right? I mean, it, it's it's a part of the base of movements. There's so much information. You're so informed. You can Google anything on YouTube right now. If you want to change a tire or learn how to, you know, 
do a heart procedure, you can go on YouTube and someone has put it on there. But one of the things that's also important is to stay off of social social media and to really kind of think for yourself because we can be bombarded with so many. It's like the doctor that says, listen, I know that you have a knee joint pain, but don't Google because then you're going to think yourself into all of these different things because it's so information heavy. I mean, one of the largest commodities that the United States of America has in terms of exporting is information. All right. I mean, forget, you know, oil or potatoes, which is all great, but, um, you know, the information that we have, but sometimes too much information can also overwhelm you. And it's nice to kind of be in your own thought and take a look and see how do you see your own world without being uh, persuaded by this TikToker or YouTuber or this news organization and sit and think for a while, what is it that I really want for myself for this world? What is my purpose? So that's one of the ways that I try to encourage students to kind of use and not use social media. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you talk about kind of pulling back. And I think when it comes to local journalism, pulling back and just observing your community or, or the people in your community or the, the officials in your community, you can you can learn a lot just by observing and by kind of getting your head out of the clouds and just kind of looking at what's around you. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, I do this one exercise where I tell the students, you know, take a different way home today. Uh, You know, if if you drive down said road all the time, take a different way. There are stories there. Yeah. Uh, So much of what uh, full disclosure, I did have Professor Kelly in a course, (laughs) uh, but it was virtual. And so I wanted to ask you so much of journalism courses focus on in-person activities, whether it be in-person interviews like we're doing right now or kind of man on the street things. How were you uh, shifting your teaching style back when things were virtual to kind of accommodate trying to get that in-person, you know, journalistic effect? But Virtually. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of it was trust. I mean, if I gave an assignment where I expected students to go out and an interview said person, um, they they would either do it, maybe not necessarily in person, but, you know, they would do it by Zoom and they would give me the recording and I would see that it was done Um, or, you know, the exercises that I hope that they were doing. I would just trust that they were doing it because a, a lot of it is going out and just boots to the ground and seeing, you know, what's out there, what's in your community. Um, but it, there were some times where it kind of reached a plateau and you really had to kind of figure out, all right, how do you make this more interesting? Guest speakers were always great. Um, it's nice to hear my voice, but at any time, even for me, I'm like, I, I, it's good to hear other people's voices too. And also their experiences. So I think that especially in one of my classes, I had a lot of, um, a lot of guest speakers who were out there, uh, to kind of help them shape different experiences because not only were we not seeing each other in person, but each of us individually, we're not seeing a lot of people on a personal level. Yeah, there's other humans out there other than the people we're yes. isolating with. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so one last question for you. We kind of touched on it a little bit already, but coming out of the pandemic, obviously it's still going on, but classes are returning to in person. What's a positive uh, lesson that you've learned from the pandemic that you'll take forward uh, teaching journalism here at Rowan? Well, he, one of the most positive lessons, I think, is that when you are a journalist, um, you know, even before before COVID, I would give the students the option to, you know, if you need to, you know, just record the record the interview. Now I really uh, force them do it in person if you can have that in person um, interaction, because one thing that also happens because of social media is that people, whether it's students or adults, they're kind of scared to go into certain areas that they're not familiar with. And because we get so much on social media, we're married to posting everything, right? I I have this joke, you know, I say, you guys come from the generation where when you were born, you tweeted, I was born, right? Because it was right there at your fingertips. That wasn't the way that it was for me. So to actually have the physical 
ability to be in front of someone it really helps with your presentation skills, getting over nerves of talking with people who don't look and sound like you, which we need that too. That's very, very valuable. Um, you know, sometimes I will tell students, you know, when you go out here and get a soundbite, when you get an MOS, a man on the street interview, just, just don't go to someone that looks like you. Go to someone outside of your race, outside of your own gender. Uh, even just yesterday, the, uh, the young women in class were telling me, uh, yeah, it was really easy for me to get. I just, you know, approached all women. I thought, oh, that's very interesting. Boom. Because they were very familiar with it. Um, so I think that's just one of the, the lessons that I think was validated even more that when you are actually in front of people and talk to them, you're going to get a different answer. And that builds better human interactive skills that you will need as a journalist when you really go out there in the trenches. Yeah, I think especially coming out of the pandemic, you know, even over Zoom, even technically it's face to face, but it's not the same as a face to face interaction. Right. So I think just having those people skills and having those those whether it be interviewing or just having human skills, I think is very useful. It is. And, and you know, I, I know we have to wrap up, but, you know, many times students will write me a really kind of just um, um, uh, how do I say uh, a very live email and it's full of information. And then when I meet them to talk to them about it, they're very shy because they're very used to writing information and posting information and things of that nature and sharing of themselves. But then in person, it's a totally different person um, that I've met. So I just hope that through what I do and certainly all the other professors and through the, the skills that they get, that they'll be able to find a happy medium with that. Um, because it is, I call it, you know, keyboard confident. Like, oh, they can write anything. Yes, yes. All right, well, I'll see you in class, you know? And then they see me in class and I'm like, oh, okay, where's where's John? And, you know, John's in the back, you know, because he's just not a vocal person, but he's at least able able to have that social media. So again, good and bad things in terms of social media, but but more good there, more good there. Absolutely. Well, that is going to wrap it up for Community Fair today. Uh, Professor, thank you so much for coming on the show. Sure thing. Good and to see you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been a Community Fair. Thank you. You've been listening to A Community Affair with your host, WGLS-FM Public Affairs Director, Sam Whalen. Be sure to join us on the third Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. as we discuss the important issues that impact you and our community. Only here on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM.